0: Welcome back to the New Civil Liberties Alliance and to uh, the podcast. We are uh, uh, joined by John, John's laughing at me because uh, I, I I forgot administrative static. Like for you know half a second there. Welcome back to administrative static. Uh, but uh, we're joined by uh, Andrew Morris, uh, senior litigation counsel here at the New Civil Liberties Alliance, and Peggy Little is uh, still with us uh, as well. Good morning. Uh, to talk about an amicus brief that NCLA filed uh, earlier. This month, in a case called American Securities Association and Citadel Securities LLC versus the Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, Andy, we uh, uh, we seem to talk about the SEC a lot uh, here on administrative static, and uh, they, they seem to be slow learners.
1: They they do come up a lot. They give it. They keep
0: us busy. So so what uh, what have they done this time that
1: uh, is so egregious? Well, here is a, uh, a story that is amazing in a number of ways. Uh, I think for starters, is that this is such a a colossal thing the SEC has done on its own, and it's been under the radar screen for for 10 years, because it's finally coming to fruition. Uh, this, This involves collecting data from more than 100 million, maybe 200 million Americans who own stocks. And the starting point is virtually every American adult has some, well, most American adults have some investment in the stock market. People who invest for retirement, people who invest to save for their children's education, people who want to buy a house someday. Uh, zillions of Americans are in, in the stock market. And it As, could be through your, ten, your teacher pension fund or whatever, but you've, you've got something, some most Some people. of those, yes. Some yeah. of those are captured. And someone who invests in, in, in his or her own name. Um, and and we're supposed to save for retirement, right? I mean, this, whole, this whole system rests on Americans investing in the stock market. The SEC decided in, in about 2010 that it wanted to... Back during the Obama administration. Yes, yes, back uh, long ago. Uh, that it would like to create a surveillance database of every trade made on any stock market in the United States. Every day, in real time. So that the this is the first amazing just fact about this, that, that people don't know about it. That the SEC uh, mandated creation of one big mega database that would collect... Information at the same day uh, of every trade you make in the stock market that that, the stock you buy or the stock you sell, your name, your, you know, now your year of birth, personal information and stock information. And so it has this permanent database it then can sift for uh, information about who bought what um, and look for patterns and apply all sorts of data analysis to. It's taken 10 Al- years. algorithms. Yes, all sorts of the <laughs> algorithms we hear about. And yeah. it is the largest securities database anywhere, and it is reportedly the largest single database outside the United States National Security Agency, outside the, the famous NSA, so, which, of course, exists for national security, as its name says. It's, it has oversight. It has a lot of reasons to do that. The SEC just decided on its own that it would like to have all this information, and it declared that it was going to do this. And that was, and it's taken 10 years where it's worked its way to where it's in a position where it can be challenged in certain ways. But Americans' financial information, that seems like papers
0: and effects that are protected by the Fourth Amendment. So I'm sure they must have had to obtain a warrant uh, before they got all these financial records into a giant database or have probable cause for collecting people's records. Well,
1: it's funny you would ask that because uh, they didn't do any of that. Mm. They just decided that as a securities regulator, they would like this information from the broker-dealers and the others that it regulates. And in, and as as you indicate, there is a 200 year history that if and a lot of a lot of law and, and, and uh, obviously generations of of uh, Supreme Court cases that say that if the government wants to obtain private information from someone, private papers, which goes back to the founders, uh, and similar information, it needs to go through some form of legal process, which usually means have some reason to suspect that the person whose information and papers it is did something wrong and then go to a court or go through a similar process and get permission.
0: Right. You can't just create a giant database and then do a dragnet operation
1: right. to find Correct. potential illegality. You, That's you, not the way it works in this right. country. You can't just say, I think we'll just collect everybody's information as we go along and then we'll kind of sort through it and see if somebody did something wrong. So so your, your point is, is one of the biggest but not the only constitutional problems with it is rather than have what we call individualized suspicion, reason to suspect somebody did something wrong and then say, Judge, you know Jane Doe, we we know this about her, so we're allowed to look at her bank account. We're allowed to look and see what she traded. Uh, They just said, you know, it's a lot easier if we just collect everybody's information because somebody in there did something wrong. So let's get more than 100 million people's information and we can have a team that kind of applies methods that are used in the financial world to look for certain patterns, Look at uh, you know, in this day and age, look at people we don't like we now have, we can see, uh, you know, this Morris guy is on the wrong side of the administration. Let's look and see what he's traded. So it raises a lot of issues. And and, and Peggy was in on this early and she's she's um, she's cataloged kind of all the issues and can't get into them in a well, a, uh, a, a one, uh, one brief or even a one-day uh, yeah. podcast. Well, I was going to ask
0: you, Peggy, though, that this sounds very expensive, so Congress must have had to appropriate a lot of money in order to pay for this uh, database. Is, is that how it's being paid for, from, from Congress appropriations?
2: Oh, no, no, no. The SEC <laughs> thinks it has taxation power. And um, so that's not only is there no law from Congress saying to the SEC, we want you to create this database, which, number one, I don't think Congress would pass in the first place. Number two, even if it did, it would be held invalid on Fourth Amendment and First Amendment and other um, uh, Bill of Rights for other Bill of Rights reasons. But the SEC has self-appropriated the funds by leaning on the uh, um, self-regulatory organizations such as FINRA, and there are about 20, 25 of these organizations to finance this to the tune of billions of dollars.
0: Uh, Outside of the congressional appropriations process. (laughs)
2: Exactly. This is self-appropriation. It's misappropriation. Uh, The agencies do not have the power to create contracts for which there is not an existing congressional appropriation. This violates so many doctrines that it it really, as Andy said, it it boggles your mind how big this is and how secretive it has been and what an intrusion it is on Americans' uh, privacy and their uh, Fourth Amendment protections and as well as their protections under the First Amendment for their associations.
0: So we have unwarranted searches. We have unlegislated taxes. Uh, this sounds like a real fiasco. And so this—I I don't know that we said this is called the Consolidated Audit Trail, or the CAT is the the
1: short, right. which, the short which name. Which is a it. great name because it is so Orwellian is overused, but it is such a bland name that uh, any any newspaper reader, media reader, is going to f- click to the next screen mm-hmm. when they see an article about the Consolidated Audit Trail. And it just—it sounded extremely generic, but that's—it is in fact a surveillance database, as it's commonly referred to. In much of the discussion about it, it's a surveillance database of millions of or, many millions of ordinary Americans,
2: or as John likes to call it, a panopticon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but
1: I have a question: Who so who who sued?
0: The, the American Securities Association. Right. So yeah, this isn't our lawsuit. So right. so Andy, who the, yeah, whose suit is this? Good the, question, John. It,
1: it, it came to court in kind of a, a sideways way at the moment, which is. The, the current dispute is, is who pays for it, as Peggy said, because SEC, rather than going to Congress, as it's supposed to, said, we'll just tell our regulated uh, kind of broker-dealer network, FINRA, uh, to, to pay for it. And, and there's a dispute, kind of two factions, basically, to, 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 to summarize about who's going to pay for it. The, there's more or less a broker-dealer side and a uh, self regulatory organization uh, stock exchange side. And they're tussling about what's fair allocation of payment. And so they brought they brought a, a funding dispute to the court, and through that funding dispute, uh, uh, one side has has explained to the court, well, in fact, the whole thing is illegal from the start. And so that's where we have jumped in, and we've been uh, explained in more detail why the whole chevang was illegal root and branch uh, from the start. So that, that's why it's in court now on a petition-challenging the funding, which, as Peggy said, is extremely, uh, extremely expensive. And and a little more on your Fourth Amendment uh, uh, point, Mark, the, the SEC's view in when they're proposing this order is that acknowledging there are these mechanisms that would be constitutional to say, we have a concern about these kind of trades or in this area about these people, and so we have procedures we could follow. And they have various statements they've made as they... Along the way that say, well, that either we don't get information fast enough or which, which I know is very annoying complying with these constitutional requirements, and we don't get broad enough information because we'd like to know what everybody's doing because somebody else out there is doing something that's illegal, we just don't know who it is right and so we will apply uh, analytical methods to, to to find out if there are insider trading patterns we can identify or otherwise in, in the data and that has led to enforcement action in the last a couple of years. So uh, I think a lot of this happened as a result of the
0: flash crash that had occurred uh, back so- shortly before 2010. I forget exactly when it, right. when it occurred. And Early the SEC 2010. Did, okay. And the SEC didn't have instant sort of uh, transparency into what had happened. It took them a while to figure it out and, and kind of untie the whole thing. And they thought, ah, oh, it would
1: be... So much easier if we could just instantly look at, at what happened with people, all the trades that people made. Yes, that is right. There seems to be, I'm not a markets expert by any means, but there seems to be uh, consensus among uh, knowledgeable market experts. And in fact, it's in some of the early SEC language that to, uh, to assess the flash crash, that was driven by a small layer of uh, high volume professional traders. But not, not necessarily not doing anything illegal. Uh, well, even, maybe maybe that, not. That's correct. No, that's yeah. correct. But it, nonetheless, they're a small sliver of the market. Not it's not every mom and pop family who wants to save for retirement. And so by pretext, so that so the, you put your finger on a pretext, which is the SEC said, oh, there is this flash crash, and uh, you know a great Washington quote: never let a crisis go to waste. Uh, the SEC jumped in and said, oh, we don't just need the professional high high. Uh, volume traders. We want it from everybody across the country who's saving for retirement. And so they used that crisis as a pretext to to sweep in everybody. Uh, That's why it dates back to that time.
0: Well, the case is American Securities Association and Citadel Securities LLC versus U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission pending in the 11th Circuit. Uh, Andy and Peggy, thank you for the great work on the amicus brief. Keep us posted. Thank you.